This is Clean Tech Talk, Clean Technica's podcast series interviewing clean tech leaders from around the world. This episode is being sponsored by Tesla. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, we're here with Zach from Zach and Jesse and Kanan from the new Clean Technica video channel. He's also the director of Pravda and uh, our digital media director. Uh, and I'm Zach Shahan from Clean Technica. Uh, First of all, I guess, you know, we should start. You have a very good name, you know. I don't know where you got that from, but. Exactly. Only only the best. Okay. <laughs> no, but uh, I guess we can start with your channel, which is ex- extremely popular. I'm curious a little bit about um, where the idea came from. Maybe you've talked about this in the past, but uh, uh, where the idea for the channel was and, you know, how you, how it, there's probably a point where you thought, hey, this would be fun to do. And then a point where you thought, whoa, this is really blowing up. This is something. Uh, so a little bit about that that transition. Yeah, exactly. And it's so great to finally meet you, Zach, by the way. Um, I've been a big fan of your work at Clean Technica, and we use your work on our show all the time. So thank you for for doing what you do. Yeah, I love um, when readers send me like, hey, you were on this. I was like, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Everybody's been telling me. Thank you. <laughs> you can also read our work. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Jesse and I started uh, back in 2016. Um, we had, you know, the Now You Know channel and we did a lot of videos on things like, you know, vermicomposting and making banana ice cream and solar panels. And, you know, no, nobody was really watching. But then in uh, March of 2016, we got our Model X and we decided, hey, they tell us at Tesla that you can drive this thing anywhere. So let's go from Boston to San Francisco and back and see what happens and we'll vlog it every day. So we set out on our journey, not knowing what to expect. And we every day sent back our footage to our editors. They put it up the next day. It was a 16 day road trip. And by the time we got back, we noticed that, you know, from starting at like 200 subscribers every day, we were gaining like 50 subscribers. And not only that, but on the trip, we met so many people who were like, what is that spaceship? You know, what are those doors? What, what is this car? And we realized that you know, what we had been following and what we knew about, like all Tesla, you know, fans had known for years that the rest of the country and probably the world knew nothing about. So we're like, this is cool. So yeah, we just started basically the week after we got back to do Tesla time news. We did it in the front of the car. Um, Just Jesse and I sitting there reading, you know, the week's news. Um, And we've done it week by week for 133 weeks in a row. And uh, along the way we've gained, I think we're almost up to a hundred thousand subscribers. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And uh, you know, we, we, of course we, we are a blog, mostly a blog. We write articles, um, and that's our big thing. We've branched into videos here and there, different kinds. Um, we've done podcasting on and off. We're, we're now this is for a relaunch of or a, a launch of a new type of clean tech talk podcast where we're just focused on in, interviewing people. So we're interviewing people like Nancy Fund, early venture capitalist investor in Tesla, SpaceX, Solar City, a bunch of others. Uh, Ross Gerber, a top um, investment analyst in Tesla. Uh, Mark C. Jacobson, who's a professor at Stanford, led, led 100% renewable energy plans. These kind of, you know, you. Um, so the, something we found over the years is it's actually really hard to do multiple things well, to get really, you know, to really get following on multiple platforms. Like we have readers. That's what we have. People yeah. love to read Clean Technica. If I make a video, it's like almost nobody watches it. Right. <laughs> So I know it's a big challenge. Kanan's going to do much better, I'm sure, and we'll hopefully do better with this podcast. But um, we actually have a pretty exciting had, uh, Fremont Factory tour video coming up soon. Yes, our launch video of, of the Fremont Factory is 
is awesome. It's wonderful. He's really good. But he has some thoughts also on why he thinks you guys are so popular, why he thinks uh, people love your channel and you've got so many subscribers. So he can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, actually, I've actually watched your channel for quite a while. It's, and I think the reason it's so much fun to watch actually is there are a lot of Tesla fans all around the world are a bit spread out. And when they talk to their friends, they're like, Tesla, what? And you guys, when you talk, you guys have that conversation, this insane conversation that, that, you, that everybody wants to have with their friends. And you guys have that conversation all the time. And that is exactly, I think, why it's so much fun to watch. You guys are also pretty good at putting some humor and some imitations of different people in different images and so on in there. And I think it's a really good combination and a lot of fun to watch. Oh, thank you. And are you inspired by anything? One, one kind of quirky old show that I love, Space Ghosts, uh, Coast to Coast, this kind of, this, this is kind of humor that I sometimes get from you that I, that I really love, but I think people love. Bjorn has that kind of thing as well. Bjorn Nyland, the famous uh, Tesla YouTuber. Uh, do you, what are your kind of inspirational sources creatively? Um, well, I mean, we originally got the idea from, I, I don't know if you remember that YouTube uh, show, News from the Frunk. And basically, same thing every week, he would just sit in front of his car, talk about what was going on in the news that week. And I think what was important about that show was you could rely on it. It was every week. And so one of the first things I said to Jesse is, if we're going to do this, we have to commit to doing it every week. We can't just go on a hiatus for three months or whatever. Um, and so actually, it's kind of amazing to think about it because we haven't missed a show, even though there are times when we want to kill each other. Um, and so... I think the other part of it is just that we are father and son. And so um, it's kind of amazing that he actually wants to be on the show with me at all. Um, yeah, I think my the humor. Book, there's probably a lot of dads who appreciate. They're like, well, this guy's got a relationship with his son. He's old. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. We get a lot of emails and stuff from, from fathers and sons who are like, this is really great to see uh, that you're actually still talking. Um, and for all those people out there, sometimes we don't talk. We, <laughs> the camera rolls and we pretend and uh, we go back. Because as Jesse said to me today, we're about, I'm about to go off to Europe for a few weeks. And he said, Dad, this will be the first time we're apart for more than a week in, in over two years. Um, and and part, both of us were like, yes, that's going to be great. <laughs> Jesse's not coming along on the Europe trip? He'll meet me in the UK, but he can't take off that much time from work. So, um, yeah, we'll be there for a week together in, later in April. Okay. But, yeah, going back to the humor, I mean uh, – yeah, I like to be silly. Jesse oftentimes doesn't want to do my kind of jokes. And so sometimes they'll be... He doesn't you know, like the dad jokes? This is unheard of. doesn't like the dad jokes. So sometimes I'll back off a little bit, let him do the Jesse jokes. Um, I, I, the other day I saw one of our fans that put together a compilation of all of Jesse's uh, impersonations. It was pretty funny. Um, so he loves to just kind of go off and do impersonations. And the other thing I said early on was like, there's no way I can edit my own videos. Um, that takes more work to me than actually writing it so yeah, for sure uh, we've got great you guys editors have a team of like two people editing the videos right i think yeah we're up to three or four now and uh they're great at, they know like they now know exactly what we're doing so they'll they'll know when to put the jokes in and, and I, I do think that breaks it up a lot it is hard to watch people just sitting there in front of a screen for an hour so to me it's it's a lot of it's very important to have breakaways to you know we do supercharger reviews so people out there in the world can review superchargers and we try and involve the community as much as possible too well, the regular lots of sections like community mail time and a couple of others. Yeah, I remember when I started blogging about a decade ago, we were like, uh, you know, there was a lot of, you know, best practices and whatnot. And regularity was a super key. It didn't matter exactly what your regularity was. It just had to be regular. Like right. people had to know 
when they check in at this time, they're going to have something from you. So it's keen, you know, smart of you that you notice that. Well, we, we get, you know, if, if it's late going up by an hour or two, we get hundreds of emails like, are you guys okay? Is everything all right? Like, so yeah, regularity, people take that very seriously. They do, they do. Everybody expects, you know, CNN quality or MS exactly. or quality of recording, uh, publishing. Uh, well, we can jump into Tesla. Um, one, one hot topic, you know, I keep seeing people um, mention uh, is your, your, your video on uh, Tesla's need for a chief, mar- or a chief marketing officer. Um, I've, uh, you know, it's a complicated topic, actually, their communications. It's been, I would say, for the past four or five years, the number one complaint, critique, concern of longtime Tesla investors, shareholders. And it's not just about PR, it's about communications across the board. And I've been thinking for a while, I've, I've, I've asked uh, you know, if people wanted to write this together, who I knew were concerned about it, um, about this issue. And it's just so complicated to, to, yeah. to dive into that it's hard, I think, for anyone to put anything out there. Um, I did a recent critique of their announcement of the store closings just on the PR side of that. Yep. Because I thought that was, <laughs> I was like, dude, there's so many ways you could have framed this really well and you didn't. And That's I don't want to go after good people doing good work, but um, there's just, um, I don't know what's going on. So maybe you could talk a little bit more, Kanan, you can chime in um, about, you know, what you've seen in the past few weeks and generally speaking with the company on, on how they're handling uh, the, the challenge of the yeah, I mean, so um, for the longest time, we've been accused of being Tesla fanboys. I mean, usually when the news come out, we try and find the the positive spin on it because we do, on you know, we believe that even when they screw up a little bit here and there, overall, their mission is so important and what they're doing is so important. So usually it's things like they're late. You know, Elon says, we'll, we'll come out with this on a certain date and they're late on it. And we usually give them a pass saying, hey, you know, they're working on really hard things. Um, but yeah, it, it it did build up a lot when we finally did release that episode. It was because we kind of had reached this tipping point where we're like, you know what, they are doing great things, but they're shooting themselves in the foot so often because um, either Elon's tweeting too much and too, you know, too voraciously about some topic, or it just doesn't feel like there's anyone at the company who is handling marketing. It does seem like it falls on Elon. And the sense I've gotten from following this company for so long is that pretty much I think every decision like from the tiniest to the biggest does work its way up to Elon until he answers the question, nothing gets done on that topic. And you can't run a company that way. You can't rely on one guy, no matter how brilliant he is to answer questions like, should this manager at this store go? They they just don't. You think people are really concerned about making the wrong decision and getting fired for it or something? Because I, you know, I I know it's, it's a weird situation because I know people that are very encouraged especially engineers I would say to take chances take risks and and you know fix if it if it doesn't work and at the same time I've gotten a sense for a long time that PR people and and perhaps others in the store level are very concerned to do anything on the record or anything that might be seen as stepping beyond their bounds and then getting in trouble for it but no, I think you... technical, we've also actually been accused of being fanboys all the time. And I think the best answer to that is we're simply on the same mission. And right. in that case, well, sometimes we definitely will agree with Tesla because that mission is, is the most important thing. 
Yeah, no, I agree with both of you. And Zach, I think you hit a really important point, which is that um, Elon's an engineer. So he does have, you know, in his heart, being an engineer, if there's an engineering problem and, and he's like, he's okay with that. He's okay with someone screwing up on that level, I think, because they're trying, but he has no sympathy for people outside of engineering, if they're in marketing or if they're in the referral program or if they're at a store, I feel like he's very quick to say, you screwed up, you're gone. And so I think a lot of people at the mid-management level are like just kind of deer stuck in the headlights. They're afraid to make a move because they think, uh, Do you have that sense from any any specific story? I mean, there's a couple of things that have happened over the years. There's someone who, uh, there's some vague story. There's a, someone who, was talking about discounts on on used on CP on you know uh, demo demo Teslas and whatnot, but there haven't been that many specific stories. But there's a lot of just assumption this is the case. Do you have any specific stories of you know this happening? Yeah, what's cool being in our position is that a lot of people think we're somehow we know Elon, so they'll send us an Elon uh, they'll send us an email and they'll be like, um, can you tell Elon that I uh, had a problem with my Model Three? And it's like, no, I don't. I don't talk to him on a regular basis. Um, but so then we do hear all of the, either the good or the bad. So we kind of like are a clearinghouse for that. And I feel like sometimes we're almost like the, the counselor, you know, the psychiatrist and we're like, okay, it's gonna be okay. Like take a step back. Um, and so I guess that's where a lot of our frustration comes from. It's like, we're hearing firsthand from people what the problems are and I can, I can As if solve. you're part of the Tesla team and you're not part of the team. You know, it's like, exactly. well, we got to put all Tesla the information in context for the people. And actually the mainstream media is taking advantage of that and putting it into a completely wrong context. Exactly. Yeah. They exactly. have, I mean, tremendous potential to frame their own story every day and, uh, it, and it they miss it. Yeah. yeah no, left to others. You're exactly right. I mean, they, so, I mean, we, we've heard, for instance, there's a store I won't mention, but a Tesla store where they were, you know, during the big delivery uh, crunch of Model 3s, um, they had lost all the leases for parking lots around the area. So they had to uh, drive the Model 3s to the store at exactly the right time to deliver them from another state. And so, of course, you can imagine that doesn't work out very often correctly. <laughs> so lots of people would show up at three o'clock to get their car car wouldn't be there. And instead of saying two simple words, I'm sorry, their staff acted like they were like a concierge at an expensive hotel. They were just like very hands off, very much like, well, your car's not here. And people would email me immediately and be like, I'm at the store, my car's not here. And they're being jerks to me. And it was like, yeah, that's awful. I'm sorry. And as soon as they heard me say, I'm sorry, they would go, oh, okay, Zach, sorry. And I'm like, but I don't control your car. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I mean, this is the point too that I was saying earlier. It's not, it's not PR, it's not just PR. It's just a communications issue that goes yeah. from the selling process to the delivery process to the service process. So it's something systematic across, and, and I think you've, you've probably nailed it, but yeah, we, we obviously also get um, people think we're like Tesla's PR team. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I don't know how many times I've been accused of getting met, paid by Tesla. I'm like, I wish they'd pay yeah. me, you know, I could use yeah. some some more money uh, but uh, we are not the PR team and we we criticize where we think you know we've had a, a handful I mean uh, I don't know how many critical articles about different things um, as Conan said you know our mission is to help society help itself through clean tech uh, news and analysis and you know if uh, if Fiat was the number one electric vehicle producer leader in the industry we'd be writing great stuff about fiat we write great stuff about tesla because it creates great products and it has right. a great mission and a great um approach to a lot of things and of course elon i think there's a challenge too with the communications because elon's uh tweeting has been worth how many billions of dollars right. i mean 
I, I don't know exactly what he meant when he said the $20 million fine was worth it back last year. Um, but I sort of assumed he meant his tweeting has been worth billions and billions of dollars. So $20 million is a drop in the bucket compared to what it, what it does. Right. And of I'd course, say he Tesla as a company has a bit of an identity crisis because from one side, they're a business, you know, they need to be business-like. From the other side, you got Elon, he's free. Oh, our pat uh, patents are yours. Please be open. We are so willing to do this. And on the other side, you still have the corporate business side. We need to make money. We need to be strict. And there's always this tug of war in between happening. And I think that he, is basically where a lot of people get caught in between. And he despises the idea of branding. He doesn't like the idea of branding or, or, or advertisements, having to sell your product at all. So do you think there's a need? You know, this is something I, I, I question. I don't have a, I have sort of strong opinions, but do you think there's a need for the company to not just change its communications approach or something, but to sort of grow to another stage of, of corporate evolution? Do you think it needs to get more, you know, stuffy, big box, you know, kind of big corporate uh, in, in a variety of ways? Or do you think it should just tweak a few things? So I feel that because uh, Tesla sells such an innovative product, they should sell it in an innovative way. And they don't. I mean, yes, you buy your car online, that's innovative, but they still have stores, which confuses most Americans into thinking, well, this is a dealership like a you know typical dealership would be. Um, when in, in fact they're not. And in fact, our argument is that they don't need the stores. The, they, could, they could have a few here and there for fun, but they should have what we're calling the Tesla fleet uh, or you know, um, fleet sales, where basically what, what sells the car? Sitting in the car. So don't have a store where the car is sitting there. You need to drive the car. You need to experience its acceleration, its autopilot. So our idea is to have a fleet of 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 salespeople that drive the car to you at your work or home, drive around with you for half an hour. If if need be, let you have one for 24 hours or 72 hours so you can show it to your family and take it for a short trip. Experience supercharging because no one understands that until they do it. I mean, I, you can talk to someone till you're blue in the face about supercharging, you'll just get a blank stare. They don't believe you when you tell you know when you say it'll take 20 or 30 minutes. They just go, well, no, that's not no, that can't be true. So that's that's our thing it wouldn't cost them as much money as the stores do and it would actually be more innovative it would actually work but again that's where i think there's been a disconnect i think early on elon trusted certain people like blankenship who said no you gotta have stores like apple does and i think he just said okay well you're the expert we'll do yeah. stores and now he's realizing they don't really help yeah well someone i uh I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the store idea because, I, you know, whenever I go into stores, there's a lot of people wandering around. There's a lot of people sitting in the cars. It's an opportunity to experience the cars somewhat. If they want to go on a test drive, they can. But I doubt most people are just well, willing to jump out of the mall and go on a test drive. Right. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I've got a marketing friend who says, you know, luxury goods are still heavily sold in stores. This is one area of retail that's heavily sold in stores. But like you said, and like you said with the Model X earlier, people don't know Tesla, and you have to just—you have to really get an experience first. So, uh, I love this idea. I love—I think this kind of idea of a, a moving fleet or or pop-up events where you have like a reason for people, and then people can tell their friends, "Hey, this is your opportunity to come check out a Tesla." Exactly. Let's go. If it's always in the mall, it's like, oh, I'll check it out sometime. I have relatives. Oh, I'll check it out sometime. Uh, sort of. I think there's a big difference here between a and store people. and a showroom because who else has like right in the mall, at least in Europe, I'm not sure about the US, but here we, you go into a mall and you suddenly see, hey, Tesla. I mean, who does that? That is actually a really effective uh, 
way of getting people in the car in high, what they, what Tesla calls high traffic locations. And they should have more of those. And just as a showroom, I mean, don't let people buy the car there to say, go online, buy it in one minute. Just let people look around the car and sit in it. And that's well, it. Like, so, so, so here's my argument against that, which is that we're still talking about it as a luxury item. And I get that the Model X and the S are luxury items. But now that we've moved to the Model 3, which will be the mass selling item, um, when you sit in a Model 3, it doesn't feel luxury. It feels weird for most people, right? It feels like a spaceship or, you know, you hear all these words, right? And, and, and many people who are thinking of something in that price range think, well, it should feel like a BMW um, 3 Series, right? It should have those that, that luxury feel to it. And, it. and to be honest, it doesn't. It feels more sparse. So what sells the car isn't, again, sitting in it. It's driving it. And if that right. gets people to do a test drive, great. But at most locations I've tried, getting a test drive means that you have to schedule something for a few weeks later and you get a crappy, crappy test drive. You get something that's starting in a crowded mall. And as you know, most malls are in very crowded urban areas, which means that the test drive quite honestly sucks. Um, and you're given it by someone who doesn't know how to upsell you. So there's the chance for that and 20 or 30 minutes. And who's not, not supposed to be upselling you. <laughs> exactly. They're told not to. I mean, they, he purposely got rid of solar door to door, which is super effective. They were number one in America. And then they just put it on a wall. Well, let me tell you, that doesn't work. People don't walk into a store, see a solar panel on the wall and go, wow, I'm going to get that. You have to be ex explained to you that it's going to save you money. It's good for the environment, like all those different points. And the best time to do that is during a test drive. That's what Jesse and I do at events. That's why we've sold more Teslas than anyone in the world because we go out there and get butts and seats. That's kind of our catchphrase. Because um, we know that once you experience it, 20 minutes later, you've got a big grin on your face and you go home and you're just like, tesla.com, I gotta check this out. Yeah, totally, I think it's a very compelling case. And something else someone tweeted, I, I forget who it was um, recently, there's a quote in that Ashley Vance book where Elon said, stores are sort of like a temporary thing. They're not they're not expected to be important in the long term. And this is from a quote from like 2015 or something. So again, they've, you know, he's on that page, I think. Um, and it's probably a question of how you transition. And it's just, it's a bit disappointing that there wasn't a plan in place, that it was so sort of last minute and um, and the communications around it was wild. But we can jump to another topic. Kanan, you had some, uh, you were interested in the winter driving, right? Well, I just wanted to, one of the things I wanted to mention is, for example, uh, you guys, your uh, winter driving videos, they got retweeted and shared by Tesla. And from everything you said, I've actually been wondering now, what kind of interactions did you have with Tesla? I mean, you don't chat with Musk every week. Well, unfortunately, neither do we. But what kind of interactions do you guys have? Very little. Um, uh, basically, um, we have some fans that you know tweet at Elon more than we do. We don't tweet at him. Um, I, I honestly don't feel I'm worthy yet of, of tweeting at him, so I don't. Because um, I just feel like he's so brilliant, I'd like him to focus on doing amazing things and spend less time on Twitter. So yeah, I don't tweet at him. Um, so the mo you know, I've shaken his hand once, that's it. Um, uh, but yeah, we, those, those uh, winter videos that you talked about, we don't, we don't have any like direct communication with their media department. We're not on their press list. Like it's as if, we're in no man's land with Tesla. And the funny thing is I thought, okay, well, they, I guess this is the way YouTubers are always treated. But now that we've gotten you know, bigger and bigger, we, I can pick up the phone right now and call the CEO of almost any other electric car company. So I'm like, Yeah, I'm not why? sure. It is, it's a brave new world. You know, it, it is confusing. I, you know, I typically don't think of YouTubers as press, even though you guys and others have followings that are way beyond, you know, almost, you know, they're way up. I mean, you should be on the press list of anyone. 
uh, obviously Tesla's rolled in uh, MK um, H, uh, what is it? Yeah, yeah. MK, uh, and Galileo got in through tweeting to them, basically through tweeting to Elon. That's how a lot of people get in. It's just by tweeting. Actually, MKBG was the only one to get a press pass during the previous event. Galileo and all the others, even Ben Solens, they. Uh, I get the impression that's someone Elon watched for a while or something, or or someone on the PR team watched for a long time, and they PR were like, team. "Hey, this this guy should be invited." Uh, of course, he was early Tesla buyer too, but um, yeah, we. We also, I mean, people think that we're in communication with, we're in, you know, communication with Tesla's press team, uh, quite, you know, for, for general, you know, stories that, you know, anyone's covering um, or original ideas, but not, not so much with Elon. I, because he follows Clean Technica, I should, I don't know if I should. <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you, you because exactly. he follows a, we can direct message. Right. And once, at one point, I don't, I had a joke, I had a, something I thought was funny. <laughs> so I decided to tweet it, something to him, a little joke, <laughs> a direct message, I mean. Uh, and he responded. It was a funny little thread. But otherwise, you know, we really tried to stay the freak away. We don't want him to unfollow us for, for bugging him. <laughs> but I know he jokes all the time. I, people close to him say he's joking like all the time. He's constantly joking. You know, mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. thought, well, this is hilarious. And I just was cracking up so hard I had to tweet it to him. But uh, he seemed to enjoy it. But um but it's yeah, he, so many people misunderstand his jokes as something as like, yeah, something bad. And I think people don't realize how busy he is because I mean, it's easy to get on Twitter while you're eating, right? Or yeah. while you're doing something else. We won't talk, talk about um, Nate when nature rules. <laughs> True. But, uh, but he, you know, he's working crazy hours, and people think yeah. he's not because he tweets a lot. But it's really not that hard to tweet that no, much. Right. And I think he's he's extremely busy. Right. It's these little pockets of time. I, I do think it's funny when people email us and they're like, "I have an idea. Why don't you send it to Elon?" And my approach is usually, "You can do things too. You know, like it's not up to Elon to save our entire planet. Like he's yeah. doing a great job, but like he has to stay focused. So people, if you've got a great idea, you know, cover it yourself." Yeah. Well, you guys have done a great job covering some of the things most people would not have found out about, like the trip to Antarctica. You guys were really good at promoting them, covering them. I think they would not have gotten as much media coverage as they did without you guys. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, so we call it Tesla Time News, and that's mainly because at the Chargers, at the Superchargers, people in the beginning would, would call it like when you were just waiting for your car to charge, they would talk to each other, Tesla time. Um, and so that's where we got the idea. But it, yeah, our show isn't just about Tesla. It's just like you guys are saying, though, that Tesla, if it weren't for Tesla, we wouldn't have a show because there'd be nothing to talk about, I don't think. I really do think we'd be talking about Leafs with 60-mile range and i3s with 60-mile range. And I do not think that any of those companies would have come out with anything else. And people make fun of me for that all the time. But that's, if, no, if there was an alternate reality, that's what it would look like. No, there's no way. I the the way I've said it too is some of the many models have been wouldn't have come out. Also, governments wouldn't have. I don't think governments, even for example, China, they mm-hmm. saw there's demand for electric vehicles because Tesla showed it. So then they can put in aggressive policies because they say, look, if you build a good electric car, people will want it. I think without Tesla showing that, even China wouldn't have such aggressive policies because they wouldn't be sure if people would accept them. You know. Uh, so I think it's a big deal. But, you know, we, we covered we were covering clean tech for years before we posted our first article about Tesla. And we still try to cover the space. It's just um, in the auto world, Tesla's driving it so, so much. And then also and then in solar and wind, uh, they're quite mature now. It's just a matter of like costs and, and they're beating everybody. So it's 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 fun story. But uh, are there other what are the other one? What are the other? topics that whether clean tech or, or not clean tech um, 
that sort of get you going the most that you're that you're getting more and more into yeah i mean for me solar and wind is a huge part of it because this for a lot of people is the first step the car is like this obvious thing you see on the street and then so many people who get teslas do get solar um, or, or vice versa. Um, and so, yeah, getting the batteries out there, microgrids excite me so much. It's such a nerdy topic, but people don't understand until they start trying to deal with their utility. They think, I mean, most people, the utility is just this ubiquitous, you know, it's like the clouds in the sky. They don't think about it. Um, when they get solar is their first kind of contact with the utility. And that's usually when the utility is telling them you can't do something. Um, and then they go, wait, what? I'm just trying to put solar panels on my roof. If, in Massachusetts, for example, um, you have to show them that you need a certain amount of solar and you can't have over a certain amount of solar. And their big argument is always, well, it would be bad for the grid. And when you try and get more information from them, it's always like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's bad for the grid. Um, when we finally break out of this and we go to microgrids, I, we're going to solve so many problems. It's just so hard for people to see because the people in charge of the grids aren't going to admit that. And so it's so nice to see in places like South Australia, um, where it's actually solving problems to have batteries and solar, where you can point to it and go, see, less brownouts, cheaper rates, you know, everybody's happy. Yeah, South Australia is crazy because last I checked, and this was a while back, it was like 20% of rooftops had solar. It was like <laughs> one out of five. Uh, well, the, over the years, I think my, some of my most enjoyable in, interviews were with ABB's head of microgrids and Sunnan's co-founder, Christoph uh, uh, Osterman. Uh, CEO, co-founder. Uh, these, this is a really fun topic. Yeah. Uh, well, one more thing. Um, something I really appreciate about you uh, that I imagine a lot of people do, and uh, is that you don't have that fanboy kind of uh, style or approach. Actually, you know, I'm, I'm sure just because you cover Tesla a lot, I mean, there's people I'm sure that are paid to attack, you know, good Tesla coverage. Right. Um, but you come across as very even, very, very calm. You know, you're you come across as sort of you know academic scientific where you're where you're looking at issues as objectively as possible talking about them with an even head of course you get excited about things that are exciting that's natural and tesla's often exciting but yep. but i appreciate that you you don't i when i watch you i don't feel like you're trying to sell me something i feel like you're just trying to have a good discussion and that's always been the idea of clean technica as well i think is to have a just a good discussion and bring out as much information and, and thought as possible but, you guys uh, have also contributed some of your great ideas on your own. I mean, some, some of them may not have happened, but they're definitely great ideas. Uh, one part in particular that you guys had that I really wish would have happened at some point, uh, you suggested, hey, what if um, the Model Y reservations, you had a refundable $1,000 option and a non-refundable, I don't know, $2,000 option, and you get a bottle of Tesla Kilo or something, because then it can suddenly use all that money. And you guys came up with that. I think it, it's great. I really wish... Uh, that had happened. And Conan has talked about this idea several times. He, he really likes this idea of yours. Yeah. yeah and, and, and to be fair and to be honest, like that's a friend of ours, Ross Tessian. Uh, he writes for um, uh, Seeking Alpha. Uh, we, we're so lucky because we have... Writes for what? I know, what right? What did you just say? Did I know, you isn't that, that me? I know. Isn't that crazy? We, uh, basically, he writes these very positive articles about Tesla for Seeking Alpha. And occasionally, like most of them are rejected, um, but occasionally they get through. Um, and what's so cool about what we do here is that we, we've got a newsroom, we call it. It's a Slack channel with about 100 people from around the world um, who just feed us stories from their little corners of the planet. You know, like, I don't know what's going on in Poland. Um, and, you know, I can't read Polish. But if someone's in Poland, they can tell me what's going on. And so we I'm can... In, I'm in Poland. I know you're in Poland. Exactly. No, I was, <laughs> that's what I, was, I was using you as an example. But um, 
And so they can send us stories and we can put those out in the air so that, you know, we're even covering some quasi local topics. Now, it's funny, even being in Poland, we have the, the largest European EV battery factory, like just right down, like real close to me, this oh, LG cool. factory. I know someone who works there. I know, I know, I know. Uh, so, but it, but I often get news from about it from like, uh, you know, uh, some other site, not even connected to Poland. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny how quickly this news can spread and it's just mm-hmm. about, you know, who's spreading it where, but anyway, huge appreciation for what you do. Really, really love it. Any final thoughts from you on on the media landscape? Um, uh, do you have any thoughts on this whole uh, this whole Tesla short seller versus uh, Tesla kind of war that goes on? Is it just too much noise, or what it's do you? So think? much, yeah, it's so much noise, isn't it? It's so hard to discern what's real and what's not. Um, everyone's like, oh, you know, Elon's gonna you know slay the shorts, but if if it had been a battle, I mean, the, the shorts have been doing quite well for quite a long time, right? They've been stinging Elon, you know, if you can How imagine. How are they still alive? It, right, exactly. Well, I, I mean, we've, we've conjectured on the show, they're not the normal shorts. The normal shorts are just regular investors who couldn't have lasted this long. They're, they are big oil. They are big auto. Uh, they are pumping the money into this to make it happen because from our perspective, it's like, wow, how, how could you spend millions of dollars to keep shorting it? Well, if you're big auto. Or billions. Oil, I mean, they've. They've seriously, there's been periods of time where it's like they've lost billions of dollars. And yes, so but it's short money. It's, it's yeah, short but, money. Any year you can keep this uh, going a little bit longer and, and keep, you know, milking the oil out of the ground, you're, you're making trillions of dollars. So it's, it's totally worth it. It's just like an ad campaign. Most people can't see that because they're like, well, why would they waste money? It's not wasting money to them. It's slowing this down. Any less, fewer people... You know, the message that most people have right now in their heads, we're talking about bad marketing from Tesla. The message most people have right now is, oh, he's closed his dealerships, which means they think he's going out of business. It's a wonderful narrative for for the shorts because for a lot of grandparents out there, they think, well, Tesla's going bankrupt. I'm not going to buy one of those. Um, And it's going to take Tesla months, if not years, to get out from under that stupid story. And that was all their own doing. Exactly. No, exactly. Well, one of my favorite stories we've ever published is a guest post from Roger Pressman, co-founder of EVNX. Um, the, the Tesla smear is how I retitled it, I think. Um, and it's just an amazing, thorough look at all of the major players that could, it's not just one or the other, it's all of these major players, auto dealerships, big auto, big oil, uh, all kinds of different players are threatened by Tesla. Uh, it's amazing. In, in my perspective, I'm not even joking. I, it's sort of amazing Elon's alive because I yeah. w- would not be surprised if someone just had the idea, we'll take out the top guy. Yep. But, uh, but you know, sure he was more afraid of Russia doing that than any of the critics. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, Russia is another, I mean, that's, that's a, that's an oil dependent com- country that no, because has of SpaceX, a, actually, this was more SpaceX related. Yeah. Well, well that and oil, I mean, they are heavily dependent on oil. This is a country that is very dependent on oil and they, have a long history. I used to cover climate science. They were behind ClimateGate, which which slowed yeah. down cl- international climate policy progress for years. Yep. Um, they they have a history of this, but uh, and they have a lot to gain. I mean, uh, if the world warms up a few degrees, uh, Russia's yeah. sitting a lot prettier. Are not in as much trouble as Europe would be. But mm-hmm. the smear that what you're saying, I think this is critical too. And I wonder how much the smearing is about the stock versus actually the product, because when like I've talked to people who. Uh, that's the first, I mean, that's the first thought they have. Isn't that company in big trouble? I think that's probably the, in the mainstream media, this, some of the most common thoughts people have is, 
aren't those not safe because of the autopilot, because of the crashes, the fires? Isn't that company going out of business? Isn't that CEO crazy or on drugs? These are things I've heard from people. Right. So normal people who are smart people, actually, but they're just not tied into the Tesla bubble like exactly. we are. Um, and it's hugely effective. I mean, this, these campaigns have been going on in politics for years. People know they're hugely effective. Like you said, it's going to take years if ever, you know, to yeah, but people trust the counter that sources like the New York Times. And yet we have seen articles where in the New York Times, they literally say that Elon was a drug addict and their source was unnamed sources. And I can't I often, believe that I actually published that, but I've done it multiple times now. And you and, think that the New York Times is a credible news outlet. And as we've seen from our private series, like some of the biggest news outlets, they are so extremely biased. It's crazy now that we can actually put a number on it. You know? But it's a hard case now with politics. What I often say is, uh, I think New York Times, Washington Post, these outlets are great for political journalism. They're really good. They, they know political journalism. They have tons of political journalists. They're not finance business outfits, you know, and even the Wall Street Journal, which I'm not a big fan of, I may, probably has a better understanding of how to approach business finance journalism to not get played. And uh, I think the New York Times basically gets played or they have some strange bias to Broder, who was initially had a bad story about using a supercharger network when it first came out. He got slammed by Tesla. He's now on the editorial board since last January. Um, I don't want to, you know, that might, well, I mean, just look, look at where media gets their money. Uh, they don't get their money from Tesla, obviously. They get their money from Big Auto and Big Oil. Those are the ones running most of the ads. So you, you don't bite the hand that feeds. So even if you don't have a implicit bias, you, you do have this, you know, bias because you know that you're not going to, they're going to pull ads if you run a lot of crap against them. Yeah, I, I talked to a PR person for a top automaker. I won't say which automaker, but a top automaker out of, out of uh, Germany. And this person used to be a journalist in the auto world. And they had a story, a big story that blew up, that got, got uh, pushed back. And he, he had the information from the CEO of the North American branch. Okay. And that he was getting pushed back. He wanted to go out and say, you know, more directly who he got the information from to make it clear. And, and his editor was like, you don't want to burn that, you know, you don't want to burn that relationship. It's not worth it. You know, consider it's not worth it to be, to prove you're, that you're right, you know. Right. And uh, so he had to sort of just swallow, you know. So, you know, this kind of thing happens even at the editorial level. These, these, these people do consider these things. Yeah. And we don't want to go too far down that. But I, I think my biggest concern is that the product sales, the demand is being hit by the smear campaign more than anything, more than the stock even, because that seeps out to the people who could buy a Tesla, who could get a Model 3 instead of a Camry, uh, who just don't have the right image of, of Tesla. And I guess we don't know about the savings. Right. I mean, the good news now is that we've made it, I think, to the tipping point for, for Tesla, which is the Model 3, the fact that they are everywhere. I mean, the fact that I went from a year ago, we had one of the first Tesla's uh, Model 3s, and now you just drive down the street and you see you know, five or six a day. Um, they are the selling point for Tesla. They are the, the showroom, basically. Your neighbor now might have one or your coworker, and now that's enough to start getting more butts and seats and more sales. So I, I think that even if you tried to shut off that demand now with news stories, it wouldn't work because the cat's out of the bag. The, the, the car is actually out there. Um, but yeah, the media is still obviously going to try every trick they can because if they can slow this down, it's not about winning right now. I think they all know they've lost. Um, I think it's about slowing it down to, to get as much money out of oil as possible in the next couple decades. And what's your experience on the street from 
since you seem to be on the street a lot, I guess you, you hang out, you walk along. I hang out on the street. Right. Yeah, you're, you're, street, you're on the corner a lot of here. Not, yeah, <laughs> anyway. Uh, do, you, do you think people are getting the idea of the total cost of ownership that, that this competes with? You know, this is something we're trying to make more clear, but do you think it's getting out there a bit or still a long no. way? No. I think the only time you get this story is when your family member or your friend gets you in the car and you start talking one-on-one. I don't think the average person on the street, even we are in a bubble. Okay. We, we think everyone knows about solar and electric cars. Most people still, uh, if you tell them it's a Tesla, they say, where, what company is that? You know, I mean, they actually don't. And we were like, how can you not know? But they don't know. Most people just have no idea. And so um, that's why we've always kind of wished that they would run like a big advertising campaign and just let the world know. Um, but yeah, you have to actually experience it firsthand at the moment. Well, we'll let you run it. I've, I could talk all day, but uh, we'll, we'll let I could you run. do. I love it. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk a little more. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was surprised. We, we had a model S here in Europe for a while, and I was surprised when you, like, a, a truck driver sees it and it's like, hey, what, what company creates that? I'm like, oh, Tesla. It's like, okay, yeah, but what's the company? What, who produces it? I'm like, Tesla. Tesla's a California company. It's like, yeah, yeah, but who's the automaker? It's like, Tesla. You know, it's like, but, you know, there's, there's been studies for years on electric vehicles and whatnot, polling, and once in a while you find a question that makes it obvious to me that people are answering these questions about electric vehicles while thinking about a Toyota Prius mm-hmm. where they literally do not understand or, or somehow conflate. They think a, a, an electric car is a Toyota Prius, a conventional Prius. So I, I've found that, that that shows me over and over that people aren't, aren't really aware of electric cars. They're, they're not. I mean, if you take someone like Joe Rogan, right? A smart guy, has lots of people on his show, right? He, he had Elon on the show. He lives in California, by the way, like the heart of you can't throw a rock and not hit a Tesla, right? And yet this guy who, you know, I think of as pretty well connected and well, you know. Open-minded, exploratory. Exactly, right? Um, he had to have Elon on his show, promised to buy a car, few months later buys a car and now he's you know, going on a show and just every show he has a segment where he's like, my mind is blown. Like that's I, don't thought he to was like I thought he got a test drive or something and then he immediately bought it. No, he said on the show, I love on the show where he's like, okay, I'll buy it because you know, he's like, he's sort of, sort of like, okay, fine. Okay. I'll buy you. I, I, you Cause Elon was going on about how great it was. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll buy he's it. Like, I'll yeah, buy shut it. up. I'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And now he can't stop talking about it. No matter what guest he has on the show, he, he has to bring it up. And I think that is, he is the average U S guy. He's even though, and, and he's probably ahead of the average U S person. So, I mean, that's how much work we have to do here. Totally. And uh, again, that's a case too, where I think they, they're, their approach to, to marketing was really good. They went on an extremely popular show for a demographic that's pretty ideal for him. Yep. Uh, male, you know, males still heavily buy Teslas. Um, and the guy was clueless about Tesla. So he informed, uh, he, he informs, as you say, you know, every week, a lot of people about Tesla. But it's, it just goes to show, of course, he got attention for the weed smoking, which... That, that is, in a nutshell, the problem with Elon. He did 95% of it right, and then he went the extra 5% where he blew it. And I know he got pressed for that, which I guess you could say all press is good, but he almost lost his SpaceX credential. Like he did a lot of damage for that one moment of stupidity where if he had just he had- doesn't even smoke pot. He doesn't he, even exactly. smoke. We exactly. Had, we had pot experts saying he didn't even inhale. <laughs> right. He was exactly. the one that found it on the desk. He was just curious what that container was. Well, you know, it shows where his background is. He was, he's, the, he's the kid who wants to be at the cool kids table and he got to be at the cool kids table and he wanted to stay there. And so 
Um, you know, you got Joe who's just trying to get him to, hey, drink some whiskey, Elon, get drunk and, you know, smoke some pot, Elon. All that had to happen was someone in Elon's inner circle could have just said, Elon, Joe's going to do a couple things. You just say no and the, you'll have a great interview. But he didn't <laughs> listen to anyone. this already happened, actually, because oh on the show, he was already getting text messages from yeah. but he would, But he didn't listen, did he? And I don't know and if he was prepped. I mean, I honestly don't know if he was prepped and someone said, you know, Joe Rogan likes to smoke pot on his show. Don't do it. That's not going to be good for Yeah, I think he didn't listen. I don't know. I'll bet you anything that was his brother texting him and I don't think he listened. I was wondering if it was, uh, yeah. What's, you know, this is, I think, the, the fundamental question that's, that all analysts and, and followers are really thinking about right now is how much demand is there not in the long term, I think long term word of mouth, there's going to be tremendous demand. I don't think there's any concern about long term demand, but the demand right now, while people are just starting to get used to the car, there's still a lot of lack of awareness. Um, what's your thought on US and global demand in the next few quarters? Um, so I think that Tesla keeps shooting themselves in the foot. They should not have talked about the Model Y, in my opinion, until, until the day before it comes out. Because what they did by releasing it on March 14th was they told anyone who is even remotely thinking of getting a Model Y, oh, don't get a Model 3, hold off and get a Model Y. So that took a huge chunk of people who probably would have said, you know what, I'm going to get the Model 3 and you know, maybe down the road I'll sell it and get the Model Y. And it turned them into people who are now sitting on the fence. So I think that was stupid, in my opinion. That, um, was, that shocked me. I don't know if you listened to the quarterly conference calls, but I asked about that on the call I was on, the third quarter call I was on because I was very concerned about them doing the same thing with the Y that they did with the three. Yep. So I was, so I was asking him, what's your plan? And he said, well, we haven't really thought about it. Um, and then, <laughs> and then I thought, okay, then, 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 you know, I thought if they're going to have the event, they're going to be almost ready to produce the car. Cause they're not going to have the event a couple of years before the car's ready because of the Osborne effect, because of what you're saying. And then, and then I was like, okay, so they're having the event, so that must be mean that they're pretty ready to produce it. And then it turns out they're not. They're not going. So I was a little confused. But then the positive side of me thought, well, there can't be a demand issue because they wouldn't do this if they had a demand issue for the Model Three. And yet every quarter they scramble at the end of the quarter, doing all sorts of shenanigans behind the scenes, and all the people get word of that through social media. They know that if they wait till the end of the quarter, that there's all sorts of tricks they can play to get a car, which is not good because he said publicly, right? We're not going to change the price of the car, but then they know that that does happen. So that's again, that little sh shooting themselves in the foot thing. Um, I think you're right. Long-term demand is not a problem, but I do think quarter to quarter, they have all sorts of issues that come up because they have to ship the cars to Europe and so forth. I would have loved to have seen um, if Tesla had been able to keep their stock price high enough so that they could have wiped out half of that $920 million in debt, paid for it with stock, that would have freed up about half a billion dollars, they could have bought a European factory, which is what they need so badly. They should be moving full steam ahead for a European factory. And I don't know where they stand on the progress of that, but it should have happened yesterday, in my opinion, because now they're, you know, shipping through the Panama Canal to get cars over to Europe. And that's just a, a bottleneck. And Zach, there's also a flip side to uh, what you said. There also, since the Model Y does cost more, there's also a lot of people now that know that they think, oh, okay, so I'm definitely getting the cheaper Model 3. Yeah, and they also know there's a long wait, so they know there's yeah. two or three years for the yeah. for the base. So there so is might as well get the three. Yeah, it is. It is true that that is a way to also push people. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, the thing we keep forgetting about the Model 3, I thought the Model 3 would honestly be like a Toyota Corolla with good range. I thought it would be just a fine, you know, whatever car. I did not expect that it would be so good that many people are going, you know what, I'm not going to get the Model S. I'm going to get the Model 3. This thing is amazing. I mean, it, it literally pretty much blows away the Model S. And at, <laughs> at that price point, you're like, how did they do that? So we keep forgetting this car is incredible. There's no, there's no real um, things taken away from, from the car. And, and so I think as people find that out and sit in it and experience it, the demand, that's why they don't have a demand problem. I don't actually think there is much of a demand problem. I think they still are production limited right now. Yeah. The well, biggest... I... Exactly. Oh, I was early on. One of my articles was it's in a class of its own. It's, it's a, it's, it's better than a normal luxury premium vehicle in its class. And at the total cost of ownership of a Camry, it just, it's a mind blowing car. Yeah. And like you said, you know, I thought I would like it more than a model S because of the size. Cause I don't like how big the model S is. Mm -hmm. But when I drove it, I, you know, I had this article, sorry, Elon model three, much better than I expected. Uh, he retweeted it nicely. Uh, but, uh, I was, I was, just, I wasn't really trying to get his attention. I was just honestly, uh, surprised that by two things. One was that I had sort of, uh, consumed and absorbed some of the FUD like even though we fight it and we talk we say it's nonsense it had gotten into me and I was expecting some kind of problems with the touch screen or the doors or something and then I experienced the car and it was like whoa this is super premium super nice the touch screen is great there's nothing to think about and then also um, from having a 2015 Model S it was so much better in my opinion than our 2015 Model S I was like this is just mind blowing how much better this is. This vehicle is yeah. nice. Like I love this vehicle, uh, but anyway, mm -hmm. uh, you, you were going to chime in with something. Okay. So I think there's going to be a $25,000 model. Uh, I, you know, we can call it the model T or something, um, which will be a budget. Yeah. That one too. Call it the model, model two. The model yeah. two. <laughs> the model yeah. two. Um, because uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know if there probably eventually there will be tons of models, but I think the next thing they'll want to focus on will be a very low budget, um, yeah you know, cheaper car. And as the, it's basically just driven by the price of batteries. I don't think they're going to have to do much more than just get the price of batteries down. And then they'll be able to, to offer lots of more vehicles with cheaper prices. What about a budget SUV though? Yeah. Lots I mean, I, kinds of SUV, SUVs. right. I mean, if you took the Falcon wing doors off the model X and put a cheaper battery pack in, then yeah, you've got yourself and, and it would have to be more usable. The model X, let's be honest. I have one. It's not, it's not a utility vehicle in my opinion. I mean, I do through, I throw tools in it and everyone gets upset, but, um, but yeah, it's not, it's not really made for, for utility. It's made for showing off or something. Yeah. The pickup truck, I mean, for the United States, I know that in Europe, you know, there's hardly any of them and, and it's a stupid vehicle. Let's be honest. The pickup truck should be for, for business, you know, for contractors or something, because as Europe has shown, you can throw a trailer onto almost any car and do most of what homeowners need. If they need to go to a, a home goods store and buy a couch or something, you can borrow your neighbor's trailer and go do that without needing a pickup truck. I mean, in the United States, most people are driving around with pickup trucks with one person in it and nothing in the back. So it's like, why are you wasting all of this, these resources to, to feel like you're in this big truck? So, um, but it is, I mean, that's the way of the world, right? So when they come out with a pickup truck, it's going to be like Rivian. I mean, Rivian has excited a lot of people with their R1T and R1S because um, it's, it's what America wants right now is, is a pickup truck. Wow. Well, right, stupid European question for a sec. People in the U.S. use pickups to put a couch in the back for transportation? 
uh, if that, <laughs> you, I mean, <laughs> pickup is, I mean, I was surprised when I was looking at global top selling vehicles, what, what vehicles were over 500,000 for a recent article, there's not that many. And actually there are a handful of pickup trucks on that. So it just shows how big that pickup truck market is in the U S that it's actually big globally. It's, it's in the top globally. Um, and there's just, there's a variety of reasons. Uh, some people, it's just a cultural thing. Like I have relatives in Texas. It's just like everybody gets a pickup and uh, get a big thing. And it's, it doesn't matter if you use it. It's also a work vehicle. And I think in the U.S. there is some kind of um, people like that you can just throw stuff in and pick it out. And in Europe, you know, you, you feel more of a need to close it in a van and protect it. Um, so there's a different kind of cultural thing there. Uh, and, of course, people justify it by needing it to move their their couch or or different things from time to time but it's it's 90 percent cultural um it's just it's like a i don't think people give it a thought it's just like i'm gonna get a pickup truck and what do you think about the one elon elon is apparently going sort of the model x route of of a little uh, unusual with the pickup again what do you think I, I don't, so basically p- because it's cultural, because people buy a pickup truck in this country to be like badass and to you know rip off the line. I think when the Tesla one comes out, even if it looks too cyberpunk for them, the stats are going to be so undeniable that it's going to take all those pickup truck guys in the middle of the country and they're going to go, what the heck is that? I need to know about that. Um, it may be too crazy looking for them. I don't know what it's going to look like, but that's not going to matter. Um, he can do that on his first iteration like he did with the Model X as long as he comes out with a kind of normal looking one for, for the masses. Yeah. He's going to do what he, what they did to gearheads. They're, they're going to make this thing so freaking powerful. I hope, you know, based on the Twitter feedback, they will have the like tool uh, hookups in the back for compressed air tools or for, uh, of, of course, for po- electric power tools. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's just going to be so powerful that it's going to quickly grab and they should really, they should market it as an American truck, American company, reviving American manufacturing. You know, it would be great if they had a good, you know, I know they're not big on branding and marketing, but if they had a good branding and marketing approach to it, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it was great that Rivian was out of the gate first because they kind of set the bar and the bar was set pretty damn high. I mean, the Rivian having four motors and being able to do, I mean, we haven't even began, begun to touch on what the Rivian's going to be able to do with four motors. With four motors, you can do things that most people have never even imagined. You can turn a car, you know, 360. So when they start to see that, I think Tesla is, I don't know what, you know, Tesla already has planned, but I'll bet you it pushed them up a notch. Any final thoughts from anyone? I, I just huge thank you. Uh, you're fun to talk to. I think this is probably why people watch your show too much because you're yeah. so much because you're you're fun to listen to and, and talk to. Um, really fun stuff. Uh, I'm sure we should meet up some other times. I think just that the fact that um, you know we're all excited about what we give news about and the fact that we can can meet up and talk to each other and share ideas. This is a whole new world. I mean, if we had been trying to do this a couple decades ago, it there was no way to do this. We'd have to meet at a conference or something. The fact that we're just hanging out online right now and doing this and sharing it is super powerful. And I don't think we even realize it because it's just seeped into our consciousness. I think that um, we talked before about how biased the regular media is. Along comes us, these upstarts who are able to get the news out to people. And look, I'm not a credentialed journalist. I, I take a lot of your journalism and share it with people. And I think that's super duper powerful is that we can get the word out to people in different ways, um, you know, through different mediums, through different jokes, so that they get, they get the message. 
we could probably have a listserv chat or an AOL chat a couple of decades ago, I think. Although, but it took me a minute to realize, you know, time flies. I was like, whoa, a couple of decades ago. Then I was like, oh, wait a second. That was 1999. <laughs> this is not that long ago, but you know how it is. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, thank you for what you do. Thank you for your awesome channel. You're influencing uh, millions of people, um, I'm sure, um, uh, and in a positive way, of course. Uh, so thank you. Uh, yeah, keep us the great work. Anyone watching or listening, you know, check in again next week, next time for uh, to get your electric fix and to enjoy Clean Tech Talk or Clean Tech. Uh, what's our Clean, clean Technica TV? Something like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. Hopefully, it'll be launched by the time you guys hear this. And please do check it out. Awesome. We should have some really cool material about and the yep. Tesla Fremont Factory. And we pass- definitely want to plug your stuff on our on our channel. So yeah, let's yeah, exactly absolutely. let's let's yeah, collab. So and we, I mean, Kanan, Zach, thank content, you for. You know, we definitely should talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I appreciate what you guys do so much. I know that you, you actually have to have people read it, which seems like read it, but it is super important what totally you're doing. Different, I mean, not totally. We have crossover, so we have people who watch and read. But it's, there's very there's people who only read. There's people who only watch, and it's interesting. It's good. And we need one both. of the one of the nice things about video is when we talk about something about Tesla, this is something is horrible, whatever. In an article, you cannot convey the emotion or to really help people come across just how absurd some of this stuff is. And in video, you can do that. And that's one of the things we hope. I found it interesting too. The YouTubers uh, seem to done a lot better with referrals like you, you guys really uh people connect and this is something i actually presented about like a decade ago it's like people really connect when you're personal when you have a face to something when you're very personal and and so people you know watch you and they think that you're one of their best friends probably you know it's like uh yeah. they have that connection but so send our thanks also to jesse uh if you guys are talking um this week i don't know uh <laughs> all right cheers. he's probably taking a complete break yeah. thank you so much guys it was great talking to you Peace. yeah you too Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix.